0: and welcome to another episode of tin foil hat i'm very excited for this episode uh, real quick the diabolical my 2 disc cd is now is about to drop next friday march 17th 2 disc you've heard about it 1 hour power second hour is called friday night late show in which i battle drunk people and just do crowd work the whole time and the movie dying laughing is a critically acclaimed It's available on all video on demands across the board. iTunes, Google Play, uh, Amazon, all of them. Check it out. And hopefully it will be on Netflix very soon, I'm hoping. And I just shot the TV show with them. So that is that. Thank you for your guys' support for this podcast. I am very excited. I'm back in Las Vegas and I'm Doing comedy out here. There's, this is what I'm starting. I'm reconnecting with some of the fri- oh, my old friends from way back in the day, and this uh, my guest today is attorney David Figler. Welcome, David. Hey Sam. David, you and I used to do stand-up way back in the day. You were more of a po- you were yeah, a very you were fam- more
1: of a comedian, and I was more of a guy who talked to the curiosity of the crowd.
0: But you were like a world, almost world recognized. Spoken word
1: uh, I did uh, something that was regrettably referred to as slam poetry yes. back in the days, and I am uh, recovered you from don't, that now. You don't do it anymore? Oh, no, no, no. With the time and perspective, I realized just how uh, amazingly horrible that whole thing is. That whole and world that is? That whole... Yeah, I don't know if you've ever um, sat through one of those, but uh, it's fairly excruciating. I mean, you know, now and again, a little gem uh, of a personal come but a lot of it is uh, there
0: seems like there's a lot of crying and elitism to get, like a lot of like th- there's a lot of complaining yes. yeah
1: and identity uh, is very important and uh, it's very personal and earnest and sincere uh, and a tear comes at exactly that same point every time it's just you know it's it's uh, what is the
0: what is the uh, uh, the pinnacle of that career is uh, well it
1: was uh, uh, HBO uh, deaf poetry jam. So Russell Simmons had that show for many, many seasons and uh, most staff and all these guys would go on that and it would just be, you know, the 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 top slam poets of the day. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, some extraordinarily talented people in it. But for the most part, the the, the genre is uh, a little uh, a little uh, tired and derivative.
0: Yes, I'm totally with that. So we would do shows we would have combined shows whether it was an um an open mic I tried to a, sneak in there I a tried present, to present yeah. and you were excellent dude you were Thank I, you. i'm sure Aww. if you really Aww. wanted you could have done so you were an excellent writer but you you're a lawyer
1: and right a little distracting as a career
0: but it's a, you're not just a lawyer you're, you i remember you i think towards the end when I you know I saw you for the last couple times before i moved you just became a death penalty Lloyd, defending de- defendants in death penalty. Yeah, I did
1: that for six years, um, where uh, uh, people who were accused of murder and the the uh, state of Nevada was seeking to execute them if they were found guilty as the penalty. Those were my cases. I defended those people, and those people were all indigent, so it was part of a public defender system.
0: No, that and that's wonderful of you. I'm very much, obviously everybody knows the making of murder and all that stuff and. The attorneys involved in that and just what you must see and what they go through is just nuts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we went through a lot of different stuff over the years. And uh, then I I, for a short time, I was a Las Vegas municipal court judge. Uh, I did that for a short while. I was appointed by our uh, uh, what's what's a good word, our festive mayor. Oscar B Goodman. Yes. During a a bout of what I will call festivity. Yes. uh, (laughs) Fueled festivity, and uh, so he made me a judge for about a year. Uh, So I went from death penalty cases to uh, downtown. Were you happy
0: with that? I mean, I know being a judge is a yeah. I know it's an easy, it's an
1: easier gig, but it was the lowest level judge. I mean, it was the bottom tier. That there is no judge less uh, empowered than the municipal court judge. So I went from. Doing death penalty cases where you know uh, sometimes I had a uh, uh, a quadruple homicide and then there were two backup homicides behind that and now I'm looking at a dog off a leash uh, I'm looking at a uh, pro- <laughs> prostitute who's trading beers for blowjobs that sort of thing that so, does happen right that does happen that is not a, a wise woman near my house
0: got arrested for offering BJ's for chicken nuggets there I'm you just go like it
1: can't be that great. Um, or or it's really great uh, value wise. Yeah, that's pound correct. pound for pound if you yeah, will.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so real quick, uh, what was the weirdest case as a judge you heard?
1: The weirdest case, and, and this is one I, I still get shit from 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 my colleagues. Because now I'm back in the fold as a lawyer again, and they uh, they always give me crap on this because I did I, I wound up finding the guy guilty, so that's the punchline. But uh, I didn't give him any time, Uh and and, and so this is a guy he was uh, wheelchair bound. OK. And uh, he had just hit a keynote ticket at the Western Hotel, which is no longer there as one of the dive hotels that had been there since Probably the, hourly.
0: You can n- get it for hourly. Well, it was
1: a hotel. It was a casino. Right. Yeah. So he had just won money at the casino and he was uh, a former veteran and he was in his wheelchair and he had his he had his uh, gambling winnings uh, in his pocket. Uh, heavy set guy, older guy. And uh, he was cruising down his wheelchair down Fremont Street, which at the time was somewhat of an unsavory uh, journey, uh, at least certainly had its pitfalls. We were there last night. Yeah. So it's it's a little more cleaned up now. Yeah. uh, You know, so he's driving down and and, uh, driving down his uh, motorized uh, wheelchair and uh, he runs into a a lady uh, who engages him in conversation. The next thing you know, uh, she's on his lap on the motorized wheelchair and they are headed towards. A neighborhood motel uh, to do the exchange of uh, money for pleasure and fluids. And as the secret words get stated uh, over her hidden microphone, she was an undercover cop and out come the vice and they they arrest the guy. So he demands on—now, he was offered a sweetheart deal. You know, nobody really wants to prosecute an, a veteran in a wheelchair <laughs> yeah, for soliciting prostitution. Right, so— Sergeant Dan. Yeah, right, right. So, uh, uh, <laughs> where are your legs? <laughs> so uh, uh, he, he decided, instead of taking the, the, the plea bargain from the, from the prosecutor, that he was going to take this to trial. So I get to hear this trial. So his defense is, yes, I solicited her for sex for money— and yes, everything she just testified to is undercover top is one hundred percent true. And yes, I confessed it then, and yes, I confessed it now. But I'm a veteran, and god damn it, I deserve a little pussy when I win a little money. <laughs> that was his defense. That, that's it's a brilliant defense.
0: It, it is a difficulty. it's jump on the sword. Would that be or uh, just that's like-
1: just throw yourself? Well, it's not even throw yourself on the mercy of court. He was basically saying, uh, seriously, yeah. take a step back, young man. <laughs> Uh, recognize your elders and the service that I did for this country to keep freedom so you could have your job and give me a pass here. Cause come on. And so, you know, I'm like, look, you know, I, am sworn to uphold the law. Uh, you've confessed to the crime. You have zero defense to the crime. Everything you're saying is very, very interesting, but completely irrelevant. Um, I have to find you guilty, but I am going to find you $10. (laughs) And uh, and he uh, begrudgingly paid the ten dollars, and then the case was done. It was closed forever. I got shit from my colleagues in the defense bar. Like, how could you? How could you uh, throw a poor veteran in a wheelchair in prison for five years? And (laughs) I was like, you know, I find him ten dollars. They're like, ten years in prison for. Just wanting to have a nice time, probably his <laughs> last day on earth, and you denied him. You know, and so it's I got a lot. Gotta be
0: hard though. You're like, I get it. It's just, it's it just—it was just
1: one of my funnier situations. I mean, the guy was adamant. I mean, he just looked at me. And was like I absolutely did it, and now you need to find me not guilty. And it's
0: like, you know, uh, do you think he's out there committing the crimes again?
1: I don't think he's still with us. That uh, uh, I okay, think he was time. living a fairly uh, edgy life <laughs> back then. I mean, you know, you can't—you can't live on uh, Keno wins alone. No. <laughs> oh.
0: If, if we could, he was we'd all shame. be doing that. We'd all be we living were, like sure. that. Now, I remember when you got the job and I, I asked you about defending people that maybe you know did it. Sure. And how hard is that? And you had something. It's like you said something very smart, and I always believe this: like everybody has the right to a fair trial. And did that ever – did you ever go, oh, man, I'm, I'm like – defending this guy that has committed these horrible crimes not not the the wheelchair 10 uh, you know sex but like it, like a, not what, wheelchair sex not, I mean, oh, come wheelchair sex is it's a gift for everybody but the the crimes being committed you know like let's say a quadruple homicide sure was there any reservations defending these people
1: well you know the other side of the equation is that we all need to know that the system works right? So if it's just one side presenting it or if you're guilty unless you could prove that you didn't do it, that sort of thing, that's not American. Um, that That's where we need to worry that people are being put in prison that don't belong there. Now that happens sometimes no matter what, but because we have this adversary system, it's all about testing stuff, right? So I, I would want the prosecutor, no matter how hard or easy their case is, to have the best defense attorney on their side pulling whatever trick they got. Because if a case can withstand any attack from the smartest guys and the jury still finds that person did it beyond a reasonable doubt, We could all go to bed knowing that in all likelihood it worked. That happened. And, you know, uh, if if they can't, then, you know, maybe there's a problem with that case. And maybe that's because the guy was innocent or didn't do exactly what is being said to do. So that that's a major part of it. That's how we all can sleep at night. The other part, though, is that sometimes when you know a guy did something like he actually took the person's life. Right. uh, It's not about whether he did it or didn't do it, whether he's going to get cut loose or not. But how much is the right amount of time? Is it 40 years? Is it 20 years? Is it death? Is it uh, probation? Uh, is it a, a manslaughter? Is it a murder? I mean, you know, there's a lot of nuance in there that most people don't really uh, understand because for it a lot of people, fit in a law and well, order it's black episode. and white. It's black and white for most people, right? You did the crime you're going to do all the time and people get very offended if people don't get thrown away forever. But there's a lot of different considerations. There's a big thing going on in uh, Nevada and actually across the country right now where juveniles, People who commit crime before their 18th birthday and oftentimes before their 16th birthday uh, commit some sort of weird crime, uh, murder, whatever, under unusual circumstances, or just a kid. in the day they got the book thrown at him. you're going to be in prison for the rest of your life, you know? And so now you're caging people for like 70 years, you know? And, and yeah. so, uh, they said, you can't do that anymore. The Supreme court of the United States, said you can't do that. The States are saying you, that uh, it just seems inhuman because the brain is still developing and they yes. were a kid and the circumstances are always going to be unique. And, and so now after like 20, 30, 40 years, they're like saying, look, we got to let these people out. And, and that's the new trend some people just get so upset at that they're like you know they uh, you said life they should be in for life i don't understand why not and all this other stuff but you know it's a it's a debate it's it, not really a debate more of a dialogue and, yes and people just don't want to bother it's with it's important it, it is and people although there are some bad people out there too who no, there probably need to be people, caged but. but
0: people also think everything is black and white it's and not that, one
1: jail cell fits all that's that's the it's bottom just line just like there
0: are instances in which the person is accused of something didn't do it that
1: does happen and
0: too. they do get convicted and like it's the reason why i'm anti death penalty in an idealistic world where only the guilty are found guilty and there's
1: this notion they should die and only the worst of the worst at that and that's so subjective Right, right. Yeah.
0: So that's okay, but we found that that isn't the instance and that that people have been prosecuted and convicted even though people might know they the prosecution might know they're not guilty. And that's why I'd rather a million guilty guys do life in prison or a certain amount of time uh, than convict and kill an innocent
1: person you can't reverse. Right. And, you know, and that actually folds into some of the stuff we were talking about before, where, you know, if somebody is convicted and it later turns out that the prosecution was withholding some evidence or something like that. And it's like, well, maybe they are guilty, but did they get a fair trial? Shouldn't the jury have heard all the information, not just the information that the prosecution wanted them to hear, which is another reason why defense attorneys have to fight as hard as they can. And, you know, I've had my fights over the years where I've tried to get information about what's really going on in a case and. Uh, sometimes, if you don't mind this segue, yeah. it gets into the realm of conspiracy
0: Which theory. is great, which is what we're talking about here. Now, this is an interesting episode because most of my episodes have been, hey, man, there's proof that this existed. Though we don't have 100% proof, but if you the dots start connecting, aliens are here, uh, pedo-gates here, or uh, Paul McCartney really isn't the real Paul McCartney. We've done... That stuff, but this is an interesting case in which there was a belief that conspiracy was going on, and that it was almost it was proven that well, it was going on. It still remains
1: a mystery. Still as the headlines remains a mystery at the headlines and the Las Vegas newspapers uh, reveal still a mystery.
0: So let's get into this. You uh, was this death cal- death penalty cases or were these just like uh, regular cases? And real quick before, just quick, why did you become? Uh, a defense attorney over becoming a prosecutor
1: oh that's uh it's an interesting question Oh, the better question is, why did you become a lawyer instead of any sane job yeah. uh, where you can sleep uh, regular did hours? Did you love and the show
0: Law & Order? You're like, oh, just going to be hot chicks. Actually, and that would have been more che- around uh, <laughs> L.A.
1: Law time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Corbin Burnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting yeah. it. Getting it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Or maybe the, uh, the guy who was a little developmentally challenged on that show uh, it might have been named Lenny. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like you that. remember yeah. that guy? Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, wasn't really in real life yeah. He was an actor He was acting he was That a, guy was acting <laughs> uh, and He then probably maybe went a little, to school for acting And that's what he got And then maybe a little Ally McBeal thrown in there I love That's it. That's what we had back then I love Dancing it Dancing babies at I love it Sure So why, who wouldn't want to get into that uh, It was really a default for me I just wanted to make my parents happy uh, You know it seemed like uh, if, you, if you could get paid to talk uh, a, 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 in, in ways more than drink tickets Yes. Uh, then that would probably be a decent pathway and you could always veer off that path whenever you need to. I didn't realize it was more of a uh, um, a guarded path. There's there's border patrol on that path yeah. and they do not let you get too far away. The law, as they say, is a very jealous mistress. Yeah. They say that. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, it was kind of a default. And then uh, I wound up doing criminal law. I was representing uh, a union that was accused of. Uh, Uh, Firebombing scab labor. It was a big strike and dispute. Where was this in uh, Vegas in Henderson, Henderson, Nevada in the early 90s? And, uh, you know, I didn't know uh, what to do with that. The FBI was raiding the offices. And so I called a very seasoned, experienced uh, criminal lawyer who I knew of but didn't really know. He was very, very helpful uh we wound up hiring him as co-counsel to take care of the case uh and then when that was uh done he offered me a job and i took it and that started me on the pathway to doing criminal defense and i never really looked back
0: was there ever a time that you thought maybe i might be into being
1: prosecution yeah actually it's funny i uh when i was in law school uh, that seemed to be a better pathway you know but things happen as they do i actually wrote a, a little memoir um, available on Kindle for one Ooh, buck. Oh, Ninety-nine. Push it. What 99 is 99 it? Uh, I always forget what it's called. Uh, it's uh, well, so I was uh, representing the people who uh, inherited the rights or purchased the rights to uh, the movie Deep Throat. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Right. So that was a, It's it's still owned by a, a husband and wife in Las Vegas. They wound up with it. Um, and so I thought it would be a, um, really interesting story to talk about how I represented them and how I came to doing that. And part of that journey throughout
0: the porno, not Watergate.
1: Right. <laughs> and so, uh, um, yeah, I, I wound up, uh, starting out my career learning about pornography and stuff, uh prosecuting cases did you have to
0: watch a lot of porn to really get understand your
1: i had to watch the sickest twisted butternut squash porn that we were prosecuting so the book is called no kids no scat no piss a first amendment love story (laughs) that's true story (laughs) <laughs> nine nine cents, Sam. That's an investment. That's amazing. So it really just tells the story of how at one point I wanted to be a prosecutor and I'm in this room watching guys fucking chickens, watching fat ladies shit in skinny guys mouths. And I'm categorizing every act because we're prosecuting this guy who was the uh, West Coast porn king, uh, a guy named Ruben Sturman. And what year is this, Rob? Oh, this would have been 1980, uh, 89. 1989 somewhere around there 1989 yeah and so we were we were prosecuting him and i was categorizing all this just sick fucking twisted porn and uh did you get it
0: out of your head when you went home no
1: no no once you've seen a guy fuck a chicken spoiler alert the chicken loses uh you can never purge that (laughs) concept of of interspecial relations uh from your mind i mean you know ladies with large farm animals, just the whole thing. It exists out there in the world. But before the Internet, you would go into a, uh, a run in the mill porn store, a video store, or, you know, they even have Super 8s and stuff yeah. like that. You'd know the secret word to the, to the pimply clerk, and he would let you into the back room where you'd get the secret stock. And the secret stock was all this, like, really taboo and oftentimes illegal stuff. Uh, you know everything from what you'd expect in in the the most foul and disgusting of uh of, uh, heinous acts against, uh, people who should not be involved in heinous acts. And, I get you. And then, you know, bestiality and stuff like yeah. that. So I happen to be dealing with the, the bestiality and the scat stuff, you know, uh, because at the time the concept was that, uh, you could prosecute obscenity that, uh, you know, the first amendment allowed those type of prosecutions and, you know, doing it in Las Vegas was an interesting challenge because okay. it's the community standards. Uh, and so what are the community standards of Las Vegas when yeah. it comes to, you know, um, uh, sheep fornication. So, yeah, you know, it's it was an interesting case. And ultimately, the guy wound up going to prison, but not necessarily in the obscenity charges. And then uh, he escaped from prison and he wound up dying in prison, the whole thing. But this started me on a pathway uh, that ultimately led uh, to both representing the original producer of Green uh, of uh, uh, Deep Throat and then ultimately the, the husband and wife who wound up buying it. And and so it's an interesting little tale, and then it talks about my flirtation with being a prosecutor. But, uh, no, I've been a defense attorney, uh, essentially nonstop except for the judicial uh, uh, diversion for the better part of 20 years now.
0: It's amazing. Yeah. So as a, pros- as a defense attorney, you must run into s- uh, some prosecutors who it is almost more important to win the case than to be right and have justice prevail. Is that possible? I mean, not saying everyone you work with or anything like that, but there are Kate prosecutors out there who just worry about their records and do they care more about winning than doing
1: right? I have my theories on it, but like any other large organization, uh, that involve that's a public agency. There's going to be good people. There's going to be bad people. There's going to be people who are motivated by self-interest and moving up the ladder. There's going to be other people who take their job very serious. Uh, you know, ultimately, it can't matter to me whether I got the nicest guy on the other side who's just trying to do the right thing and is stuck in a uh, in a box because of circumstances, or a real prick who refuses to look at the at the case in any way other than the way that. Um, serves their self-interest. I, I've done it all and it doesn't matter. Uh, when I when, when a case doesn't work out, ultimately it's always the guy or the gal uh, who is in the position to accept or reject any offer that comes their way. If they think it's fair, they take it. If they don't think it's fair, they don't. Hopefully that's how it works. Um, sometimes people take it out of fear. Uh, sometimes people take it knowing that they did worse. Uh, it just really depends on the circumstance, but that's always the, the, the accused decision, right? But when it goes to trial, I don't care if I got the nicest guy or the shittiest guy on the other side. It's all about challenging the case. The, it, it is, is there a reason? Is there a motivation for the people to be giving false testimony? That's always what it comes down to. I don't care. You, know, you could break down a, a case any way you want. Um, mm-hmm. Is the information that's being presented to the jury truthful and accurate? Because if it's truthful and accurate, that usually supports the prosecution. If it's untruthful or inaccurate or incomplete, oftentimes that favors the defense. And that's always the battle, no matter what, any case. So the biggest case of of murder down to the smallest case of drug possession, whatever. Uh, If a person is made it to the trial and, and, and they're making these accusations, If true, there is a certain pathway to a conviction every single time. So our job is to say, why would that person be lying? Why is the cop not being accurate? What didn't the cop do? Why is this witness saying this when this contradicts what my client says? Ah. That sort of thing. So that's what cross-examination is all about. You do. That's what it is. It's questioning everything. So And that brings us back to this one case that started uh, uh, this uh, essentially – uh, so I was looking back. The case was in 2009. So this is really an eight year adventure Is that considered back in the day, back in the day. Sure. Just slightly back in the day. Uh, but an eight year adventure where we still don't have the answer and it's still being litigated. And there are still journalists trying to find out the true answer on how it happened that this unique situation or what we thought was unique situation was really Uh, possibly widespread and could possibly be uh behind hundreds of people wrongfully in prison to this day
0: unbelievable unbelievable so you kind of before we started you kind of gave me a little taste of it and i loved it but where do we begin
1: so we could start in 2009 um i had a case it was a non non non-murder case but it was still a serious offense uh it was a guy who was accused of uh trolling the uh, the poor parts of town uh, finding luring guys into a car with use of a prostitute and then once he got in the car it was a a jack situation they would they would rob rob him Uh, they would hold him at gunpoint force him to go to the atm uh, force him to withdraw all the money that the ATM would allow get their cards and stuff and then they would leave them on the side of the road right so i guess the thought was that if um, if you did this who would report i was Trying to get a prostitute, yeah. Trying to get know. a hooker. So it's a lower risk of reporting, I would think, for those those particular criminals. And so this was something a that a weird was, blackmail
0: type way. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, so this was something that was happening or allegedly happening in in some of the poor neighborhoods in Las Vegas. And I wound up with one of these cases um, as a uh, as a defense attorney, and I represented this guy. Uh, his name was Thad Aubert, Uh or as we called him, Fat Albert, <laughs> but he wasn't fat. It just sounded like it. Yeah. So it was just funny for us at the time. You got
0: to find humor wherever you can.
1: Don't you, Sam? Isn't that true? Yeah. Sam? Isn't yeah. that true? Yeah. Wouldn't Sam. you agree with that? Sam?
0: Yeah. I could get a green eggs and ham right there. We right. Just move on.
1: So we're, we're defending this case. And of course, the key witness here is the prostitute, the one who lured the guy into the car. She's going to know the real deal one way or another. Right. So she's disappeared, completely uh, gone AWOL and. Initially, she had testified in an earlier proceeding that it went down the way that the prosecution said—that she was part of this this lure and that the guy pulled out the gun and all sort of stuff—and he's like, "She's full of shit." Da, da 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 But now she's disappeared. Now, now you know we can't find her. And yeah, I, I won't say that it was it was prevalent because it really wasn't. But you know, there are a lot of these cases over the years, over the decades, where you know. This is the, the situation where the guy said, that's absolutely not true. I don't know why she would say that. Or more likely, don't worry. She's going to say exactly the way I say it. She's my alibi. She's going to back me up. And then they show up and then they bury It's a him.
0: completely different story. This
1: happens all the time. And you just scratch your head. You're like, God, my client was so confident that uh, that the, the witness was going to testify on their favor and then the next thing you know, they're 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 digging the grave and, and putting the dirt on top of it, and so it's uh it's a little crazy. So, you know, this is always in the back of our mind. So we we track them. We have a we have an investigator. So this is 2009. We have an investigator. Uh, he's he's combing the streets. He hears word before anyone else that this is he a pri- just private private investigator. Investigator. private investigator. You as a, a you
0: as a defense lawyer will hire private investigators to go out. And find some stuff
1: for you. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, so when that happens, they come up with information. you know, they've got their sources on streets, very Rockford file. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, is that a good reference? Yeah, I love it. Okay. I love it. I'm trying to think of a is there a modern day. I don't P-I- know if there's I-
0: nothing. There's Castle. I think that was the closest. Yeah. It's just two way too good looking people for more their job. Magnum, Magnum
1: yeah. yeah, that was just, you know, I'm at the luau. Yeah, I uh, you got know, a mustache. S- uh, might mustache. go both ways. Who knows? Yeah. Higgins. Higgins. Right. So uh, uh just Higgins. That's just my catchphrase now. I like it. Higgins. Yeah, I have it. Randomly. So uh, he's like, she's in jail right now. They just picked her up for uh, for something. She's in the, probably prostitution. Well, maybe. But whatever it was, she was in the city jail and she's only going to be there a short time because it was a minor offense. And uh, you got a small window to go over and interview her. So I took my uh, partner, uh, law partner, and we went over there and we, we looked up this gal. Her name was uh, Rod Keisha.
0: Rod Keisha.
1: Rod Keisha. Uh, I actually pulled up a picture of Rod Keisha oh, for you. Oh, snaps. Yeah. She's oh. she's a blondie.
0: Hold on. I'm i I'll get that link from you. Yeah. I love
1: that look. All right, Rakisha. Yeah, she's
0: got that kind of like, yeah, I got busted. Yeah, that's her mugshot. Yeah. Well,
1: you know when you're smiling in your mugshot, that's yeah. not the first mugshot you've ever taken. Right. So uh, so we 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 walk in, we see Rakisha. We say, hey Rakisha, uh, you know you're a witness in this uh, Fat Albert case, and uh, hey hey hey, yeah. uh, can you talk to us? And she's like, well, I need to get paid. Now, I've heard that before. You know, people are like, you know, and of course, being ethical attorneys. Right. We're like, well, we can't Can't pay you. You're a witness, you know. And she's like, well, the other attorney paid me. And we're like, "Uh, what other attorney paid you? She goes, well, the prosecutor in this case gave me cash to testify the way she wanted me to testify at that last proceeding. Oh, my God. So, you know, I look at my partner. He looks back at me and we're like, yeah, right. So tell us more about how this prosecutor and she's a little you know out of it. She just got picked up off the street, maybe still a little still under, still high as fuck, still a little high. So tell us all, tell us all about this. She goes, well, um, I am at my house, and then this guy comes, nice guy from the prosecutor. He says, I'm here to take you to the, uh, take you to the, prosecutor's office. He's he's their investigator. He works for the government. He shows me his badge. I say, okay, okay, so I go in the car with him, and he drives me to the prosecutor's office, we go up the building, I go through all the metal detectors with this guy, nobody's stopping me, no one's saying anything, so it's totally legit, and we go upstairs into this woman's office, she says, hi, I'm the prosecutor, I'm prosecuting Fat Albert, and uh, then I say, okay, uh, well, what are we, we going to talk about? She goes, well, look, I just want you to know, first of all, I'm going to give you money, I've got the money right here. It's in my drawer. I just need you to say that you saw uh, oh the guy God. with the gun. That he held up the guy. That he told him he was going to kill him. I need you to tell me all the stuff. She's telling us the story, right? Then she reaches in her drawer. She pulls out fifty bucks. She goes, "Okay, that's twenty-five for coming here. Here's twenty-five for your cab." And she winks because she knows I got driven there by the guy. Yes. And then I left, and it's like, okay. And then what did you do? She goes, "Well." I had to go to court the next day and I got 50 bucks in my pocket. So I bought as much crack as I could get with (laughs) that 50 bucks. Which is a lot of crack. Right. She goes, It lasted me through the next day. Oh, Jesus. So we're like, So in your story, you showed up high to court and made that. She goes, Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, you throw a pork chop in front of a hungry dog, you know. And so uh, she said, I used the. Government's cash for drugs, and then I testified the way they wanted me to. Oh my God. And then they gave me another 25 bucks after I was done, and then I haven't talked to anybody since until you guys showed up. That was her story. Oh my God. So it's pay for play almost in a weird way? Well, that's what she's telling us. Right. Our bullshit. Radar, going yeah, nuts. off the charts like
0: can't I mean there's an old saying don't trust a crackhead <laughs> there
1: is that old saying <laughs> I didn't know you went to law school that's uh <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's yeah. an ancient case that's from <laughs> yeah. uh, the uh, learned justice hand <laughs> yeah I think was the one who first coined yes, that yes you got it so um yeah man so we're like just looking at each other and it's just like so on the drive so we leave her there and you know she'll she'll want to talk to us she'll want to talk to us she just said you know I she said to us that she didn't tell the truth And she said she did it for the crack money that the prosecutor had in her desk drawer uh, when she went over there. So we're driving back to our office. I
0: wonder if that's in the when they write their budget
1: to to do is that under crack money? Uh, Funny you should ask that question because Uh. that answer has not yet been stated uh, Uh. on any official record. All right. Uh, But we'll get to that punchline hopefully as quick as we can. So. Uh, The bottom line is that we are completely and utterly convinced that this girl was so high that she just made up this ridiculous story trying to get us to give her money. Right. That was it. You don't want to believe it. Well, that's the reason, right? Right. Why, Why else would you make up a story like that unless you're just trying to con us? I mean, she's a street gal. She's on the street. She's running whatever she needs to run. Uh, to get a little money. She wants me to put some money on our books. She wants to, you know, maybe help her get out of jail. Whatever the story is, she's got motivation to give us this bullshit story. Why would we think that there's a kernel of truth right. in this case? The thing is, the prosecutor in that particular case was uh, fairly fresh, fairly green. She she hadn't had a lot of cases, brand new at the time, right? And so we. We decide when we go to court the next time that we're going to let the judge know our findings. Judge, I'm sure there's nothing to it, but I got to make the record because this might become some issue at some point in the future. If you know the gal is in, in custody now, she might be testifying. I'm just giving you a heads up. She might say this story again. We do not have any proof or any evidence that what she said is true, but she said... That when she went to the prosecutor's office before the last time, they gave her 50 bucks. Oh, my and God. the judge goes and the judge, is a former uh, defense attorney before. He, but he was a prosecutor. One point briefly. He goes, well, that's outrageous. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but I got to make that part of the record. So I don't know if the prosecution's going to object if I ask that question. But I'm going to ask that question. But I just want to make sure that it's it's kosher. And then I'm not gonna offend the court by asking a question I don't have a real backup on. And this prosecutor, God bless her, she's still a prosecutor now and she's become much better. Okay. But she goes, I know what he's talking about, judge. And she goes, we have a policy in our office where we are allowed under the law to compensate a witness for coming to a court proceeding. And the judge goes, well, I'm familiar with that law. That's a court proceeding. You're in a court right now. When a witness comes to a court, we have the authority to give them twenty-five dollars yes. for coming into a court. Yes. Uh, that is in by law. That comes from the government. There is a um, there is an indication of that in a ledger somewhere that that witness came to court and therefore that witness wow. was given a subpoena fee. Yeah. She goes, well, no, no, no. It's the same for our office because we're officers of the court. And so we can do the same thing. He goes, well, I've never heard of that. And that started eight years of litigation, eight years of denials, twists and turns, lawsuits, trying to get this information, allegations that all records related to this program. And it wasn't just $25. There were allegations that they were giving hundreds and thousands of dollars to individual witnesses hundreds setting and thousands setting them up in apartments giving them bus passes food vouchers relocation expenses all off book all off book and at one point one of the individuals involved in the district attorney's office indicated that the records were not available because she had personally gone out in the back of the courthouse and lit them on fire. Because she said that in court, on the record, she said that she had lit them on fire. Because and this is a that's different woman, different, all different people <clears throat> over the years, different people getting involved. So the 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 thing was, so let's talk about what happened in Fat Albert's case. Okay, the jury acquitted him of all charges. Thank God. Uh, I'm going to give you a little Congratulations Thank on you the big win. Now a little asterisk On that one uh, He was free for six months uh, Upon the verdict of not guilty From the jury I whispered in his ear Get the fuck out of Vegas man You got a target on your back now yeah. Because you have opened up A can of worms yeah. Inadvertently yeah. He goes gotcha I'm going to go back home Wherever home was Six months later I get a call He's back in custody In Vegas For Trick roll Same thing, same thing that I got him acquitted of. He was accused of doing it again, Uh, luring a guy into a car, taking away same exact thing. Oh my god! So, uh, you know, no good deed. Yeah. Any rate, he went OJ.
0: Just couldn't leave it. Couldn't leave it. Couldn't leave it alone.
1: So uh, wound up with another attorney on that case. Wound up getting convicted. Got life in prison. So he's in prison right now for life. Oh my god! He didn't listen. He did not listen. Oh, my God. But the issue remained. So that was the dead end there, right? A lot was written about it in the paper. Um, you know, uh, the, the prosecution got very defensive. They said, well, this isn't actually a program. We don't do any of this stuff. We don't have any records because there's no no law that requires us to keep them. You know, oh, nothing, nothing here to see was right. basically right. what the prosecutor right. said. And because the guy walked, there was no additional challenges. There was no review of it. There was no appeals. There is no nothing now. All the defense attorneys are getting interviewed and they're like, we never heard of this. This is outrageous because you understand this is an issue for the jury to decide. Now we've got a motivating factor. Now, 50 bucks may not be a lot to a uh, world famous comedian or yes. a top level former slam poet. Yes. But, you know, 50 dollars to a gal on the street. That's uh, that's the day or not the day. That's you know, fuck you, money and crack. Wo- that world, is dude. absolutely. Uh, that's uh, leave a tip to the dealer money, yeah, right? that's what we're talking about. So, uh, you know, so that's a big deal, right? And then what about this nonsense about getting her cab fare when she didn't pay for a cab? Right. Like, so that's that seems a little shady. Doubling down. And then, you know, we don't even know about this other payment stuff at that point, we just know about this one little case. Mm-hmm. So everybody kind of writes it off as like, well, that was fucking weird, and maybe it was just this I, uh, one, uh, Maybe it was just this one yes. uh, um, prosecutor. She went a little rogue. She took advantage of the situation. Didn't really know exactly uh, what she should and shouldn't be doing. That sort of thing, right? So it kind of got forgotten. Two thousand nine. bunch of bunch of news stories. bunch of a bunch of stuff. What is going on across the street here? I think a bunch of. Very scantily clad gals across the street from my house are going to a yoga party. Is that a yoga party? I don't know. That they, they look have a little scanty. Acts
0: on their their neon
1: colored shirts. Yeah, I'm not really sure and what's going on. There's over there.
0: a bunch of them and they all look lost like one guy just ordered a bunch of chicks.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. I think that might be a conspiracy theory of a different show. I love it. So okay, back to what you were talking about. Uh, who even knows at this point? Yeah. So uh <laughs> Uh, they all have laminates. There's laminates.
0: Oh, this looks like they might be doing it. a video shoot over there. Or there's a big uh, convention going on. I drove by, and maybe they're part of that. Yeah, oh, yeah, possibly. All right, we digress. Max body
1: spray, ladies convention. Yes. I, I, it's waffing through. Yes, it's it smells they smell good. So they smell nice. good. They smell it. They smell It's all bubblegum. It smells so. It's nice. bubblegum and unicorns. Yes. So uh, so it's a dead issue, right? It's like okay, might have been a one shot. That's really weird, but it's always in the back of my mind, right? So whenever I get a situation from that point forward uh, where it seems very odd behavior from a witness or something like that uh, I'll ask the question or whatever and whatever happens happens but never really comes a big issue until so that was 09 until 4 years later and 4 years later I'm doing, I'm doing a doing case math, 2013 2013 I'm doing another case uh, different case altogether. This is a sex offense case. And this is a guy who's accused of having inappropriate sexual relations with three different uh, girls, two underage, and one was just, she was of age, but uh, she was under 18, but over 16. Age of consent is 16 in, 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 Nevada. La- in Nevada. But there was a, a weird twist to it because uh, uh, they were able to charge him with kidnapping. It was It was a very convoluted case. And he may or may not have done it, but there was a lot of information that was coming out fresh from these witnesses that seemed to be coming out of nowhere. Like every time the story got worse against my guy from right. a prior version. And you're
0: representing this guy and you start going, where is this all coming from? He didn't say anything about this. Correct.
1: OK. And, and your the, spider senses. Are yeah. Segway. And it's like so we we throw it out there. And I I do the same thing that I do in a lot of cases. Those cases work out. This one's going to trial. We're about to get a jury and the whole thing. So I say, I want any information related to witness payment. I know that there's some possibility that you may have done what this other one did, and I want to know it because I feel the jury has a right to know that that might be a motivating factor for this witness to testify that they are. And that's when the levy broke. And the prosecutor was a seasoned prosecutor, but she felt I was playing a game, that I was trying to distract. And so instead of just saying, here they are, she went on this very elaborate ruse to try to convince the court that it never existed in the first place. nothing happened. Right. But the witness said that they got something, but she couldn't remember what it was. She goes, I got something, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, In that case, it was uh, uh, something like $650. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You don't rem- it's impossible you don't remember this. Right. So, we're going through this and that's when the witness from the district attorney's office came up and she says we don't keep hand writ- we we don't keep electronic records, it's all handwritten. Uh, we do it as a separate account and then at the end of the year we burn them all because we don't have room to store all the handwritten stuff and we don't have the uh, budget to digitalize it and all this other stuff. So, she's shady just going through it. Yeah. And so, you know, the pros- the uh, the prosecutor is fighting us. The judge is like, you know, I, I don't know what's going on here? But this doesn't sound right to the judge. And yet it is a different judge. And then we explain this happened years ago. And here it is again. And this is really important stuff. And so, again, media is right on it. They're like, what's going on? Is there a secret slush fund? Why are they burning receipts? That seems weird in the year 2013 that you're burning. Yes, stuff. that is like, why don't you, anytime keep digital? you use fire? Yeah, probably fire. something <laughs> When good fire enters happen. the equation. Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit of a flag.
0: Yeah, it's a little weird now. Before you get into the rest is are any other defense attorneys coming to you going, what's your experience with this? I think I might. Oh, be now, now with-
1: they're coming out of the woodwork, right? Now everybody's like, oh, we thought that was a one shot. Now I'm giving seminars now and yeah. I'm doing, You're doing, you know, your own TED Talks. Right, I've, I've got, got your yeah, microphone. I got the Ted talk. I got the PowerPoint. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I'm in there and, uh, I'm talking about uh, being on a mountaintop in uh, Nepal and, uh, you know, the inspiration comes to me. So it comes out that the, the county that they, they were able to divert one point two million dollars a year for these type of payments. One point two
0: million. Yes.
1: Per year. Yes. That's a lot of crack money. That's a lot of whatever money. So anyway, this so it's all being documented. And the prosecutor is like, this is just Mr. Figler. Uh, and then the prosecutor says the best quote to the to the newspaper. Right. She goes. It's. So we said, where's the records? Where? Why don't you have this information? Why can't you produce this? This is this is basic discovery. This is what the judge asked her, and she goes, "Look, we're the county. This is how government works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do shady shit and cover well, our tracks." <laughs> so then, a spokesman for the county had to come out and say, uh, "That's not how government works, right?" <laughs> so then, so punchline of that one, jury quits my guy on that. He's let go they find him not guilty. Oh my god. So I got another one off based yes. on this issue. So now the charge is taken up because now people realize there's a lot more to it. And for the last now 3 almost 4 years there have been lawsuits, there have been hearings. Uh, fighting back and forth, the ACLU gets involved. Uh, the The largest newspaper in Nevada got involved. They're subpoenaing all these records. It turns out that while the district attorney destroyed all the records, the county still has some record because it's the county. It's right. got, it's taxpayer money. Right, right. You know, and they're like, we don't know exactly where it went. And then they were able to recreate some of the vouchers and not. So now they had to do it. So the, all the pressure is mounting, uh, in. 2000, and I'm going to get you your date here because we're almost done with the story. No, no, I love it. This is great. It's perfect. Right. So then in, uh, let's see, 2013, late 2013, early 2014, the county commission gets involved. And they're like, what's going on here? We didn't hear about any of this. We don't know about this secret fund, this separate fund, this off-books account. We want accounting. And so they order accounting, but strangely, the accounting doesn't ask the k- same questions like where the money went. Um, they're just saying, well, there was this pot of money and and it mm-hmm. seems like they had some discretion. It just looks like it's sloppy record keeping, you know, and all sort of stuff. So but then the media keeps pushing. There is a uh, particularly devoted uh Reporter named Bethany Barnes. Yes. Great reporter name. Shout
0: out Bethany Barnes.
1: Bethany Barnes. Shut up. Shut out. Shut out. You're the enemy of the people. Yeah. And so she was relentless, uh, kept going after him to the point she literally got banned from the district attorney's office. They wouldn't speak to her anymore. They had to hold meetings. Why they're not letting a reporter ask questions. Uh, they file a lawsuit to get those uh, records out of the, the prosecutor's uh, hands, the whole thing. Ultimately, um, 2000 and uh, let's see 2014 late 2014 DA comes out the district attorney and he goes look uh, everyone's barking up the wrong tree we never did anything wrong everything we did is covered by the law I can't tell you exactly what law I can't tell you exactly who got what <laughs> we have a log but it's privileged. we're not going to give it to anybody because it might put people's lives at risk they actually said that Uh, And then they came out, but if we did this, and I'm not saying that we did this, but if we did this, we're never going to do this again. (laughs) And, And they banned the policy that they never admitted that they were actually doing for future times, or at least so they said. And that was the headline of the paper, was district attorney came out today and said we will no longer be giving any. Monies or anything to any witnesses. And if if there's any any reason for us to do it, we will tell the defense attorney so he could tell the jury or she could tell the jury uh, if that happens. He says, we'll never do that again. And just, you know, unbelievable, but never admits it. And so then the lawsuit without admitting and this lawsuit that's still pending as of this day is the district attorney witness payment account. Where it came from, who managed it, where the money went, who got the money, the names of the people who got the money, the cases that resulted in guilty verdicts because possibly a witness was swayed by the money still remain a mystery.
0: So nobody, no, we haven't had any cases came out where like this was obviously affected the outcome.
1: So there have been a few challenges and it's gone to the wire, but the court determined wouldn't have made a difference or... Uh, it wasn't a relevant factor in this particular case. They take it on what they call a case-by-case basis. But no one has really taken a look at it systemically. Is this a problem? Are there people in custody? Now, uh, the intrepid reporter, Bethany Barnes, uh, left Las Vegas, and she moved up to uh, Portland, where she's reporting up there uh, for one of the big papers up in, in Portland, Oregon. But I, I, I know she's, she's still looking into many of these cases, looking at it from the other way, finding people who are in prison, saying, look, I did not do this, you know, and now it's gotten the attention of the Innocence Project. It's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. so everyone's still sniffing around, and there was never a definitive answer as to who got paid, how much, and did it change their testimony to put innocent people in jail or not.
0: And this, to me, is so relevant right now with all these Wicked leak dumps and uh, this this. this need by the prosecution the the law enforcement to win to be right almost false flag stuff is just so amazing i don't get what the point is of putting guilt innocent people in jail why is it more important to win than be right
1: or just do right be transparent because i'm going to say that probably in the vast majority of these cases they would have gotten a conviction anyway. If they revealed that information, the jury would have gone, you gave him 25 hours, I don't care. Or you gave them 100 hours, I don't care. Or you gave him 500 hours. That didn't change their testimony. Right. But let the jury make that determination. Don't keep it a secret it just because that, d- that affects the integrity of the verdict. And because they're not revealing this information or even acknowledging that it really was happening to the extent that – conspiracy theory with yes. what's possibly happening. The tinfoil hat people. You don't know who's still in prison and who should have been released. It's horrible. Who man. should be getting a new trial? Horrible. I mean, we've got we've got a lot of people incarcerated in this country. And maybe this is just a Las Vegas thing, but who knows? They're the keeper of their own records. It's unbelievable, yeah. David. So that's my story. That
0: was great, David. Thank you so much. David, uh, real quick, can you tell us your your um your book
1: again, because I love it, and I, I'm going to go read it.
0: I think it's got the best name for it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, called No Kids, No Scat, No Piss, A First Amendment Love Story. It's a little mini memoir.
0: I love it, dude. I yeah. love it, David. Thank you so much for doing the— uh, My pleasure, Sam. It's so David, good to see you. Welcome back honest, to you Vegas, You haven't man. aged you look exactly. It's because I remember. prematurely aged.
1: So See, that was that was so that was bad for twenty two year old me. Yeah. But awesome for me. You know. Yeah. What you mean? look at yeah. fr- 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 forty one. My man. Well, you
0: look great, Dave, and I appreciate you doing this. This is a great. This is a great podcast. It was fun to hear. It makes it upsets me. Uh, real. I just wanted on this. Just know, since I've lived in Los Angeles, I have been pulled over roughly around. 15 times by law enforcement i'm proud to announce i'm 15 and 2 i'm probably 15 and 2 i've actually cross-examined uh police officers before yeah and won the case so you know i understand yeah. being a lawyer all i right, understand man. it i got you I eyes 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 eyes. you are the best dude i appreciate this was great and that's a lot of fun man check out his book all right guys thanks tuning in to tinfoil hat and uh we got duncan trussell coming up soon so take care everybody we'll talk to you soon bye